and a complex world. Stay informed with NewsHour from the BBC, weekday mornings at 9 on Radio Catskill. Good evening, welcome to the local edition news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. We got a lot to get to tonight. We'll check in with the Sullivan County Center for Workforce Development, part of our weekly check in with the County of Sullivan. We also have our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. Derek Kirk joins us. But first up, uh, we want to start things with what environmentalists are warning might be hydraulic fracturing by another name. A startup company is reportedly planning a massive carbon capture project in the Marcellus and Utica Shale formations in New York's southern tier. But the plan reportedly includes drilling in shale formations to inject and store carbon dioxide that circumvents New York's current fracking drilling laws. Catskill Mountain Keeper has put up a red warning flag about this. Dr. Kathy Nolan, Catskill Mountain Keeper's senior research director, spoke to Tim Bruno on Radio Chatskill this morning. So what is this new startup company and what are they proposing? We don't have all the details on the proposal yet, but what we do know is that the company has been sending letters to landowners in New York asking them to consider leasing their land for underground carbon dioxide injection. And uh, they are doing that very similarly to the way that fracking companies first approached landowners um, before the idea of fracking in New York State was taken up and considered and eventually rejected. Yeah, I think folks may remember around here about uh, more than a decade ago, Chesapeake and other drilling companies uh, trying to lease uh, tens of thousands of acres uh, across the southern southern teal, tier. Uh, but then New York uh, later banned fracking. How is it that this company is able to get around that really tough law or try to? Yes, the regulations that New York put in place were to deal with high-volume hydrofracking, that is, fracturing rock underground with water at high pressures and then releasing uh, methane, natural gas. And that regulatory ban in New York was then followed with a legislative ban. Again, though, the language was high-volume hydraulic fracturing. So that was the type of... Um, technique that could be used at the time. When you take large volumes of water and put it under pressure, you can fracture underground rock. And if the rock has some of these bubbles of uh, gases that we value for fossil fuel uh, combustion, then you get that to come out of the hole, as it is said. You put a well bore into the ground, put various chemicals and sand and other things down into the hole and then explode underground. And it releases these um, oil and gas reserves that were of major interest at that time and continue of interest. The problem is that those types of underground fracturing activities are inherently dangerous. So a few years ago, uh, we had companies uh, starting to propose that they would use a liquefied gel propane to fracture instead of uh, water, and you would need lower volumes and not as many other chemicals as you need when you're using water as your lubricant. And this carbon dioxide that is now being proposed is similar to that propane gel, 
proposal, which is if you're not using water, you may not need to have as high volumes. And since those laws were written for a particular type of technique, the question is, well, do they apply to these newer proposals? Right, because of the specific language of hydrofracking. And this is CO2. Can you explain a little bit about how that works? Or is it just basically what we understand it to be, injecting something into the ground in order to release that uh, gas? Well, well, carbon dioxide is um, often encountered as a gas, but it can be compressed and become a liquid. And any fluid, any gas or liquid can be pressurized and pushed underground for these processes. The reason that there is such a uh, tension on carbon dioxide at present is we know it's a very potent, especially long-term greenhouse gas that warms the environment, contributes to climate chaos. So efforts to control CO2 production are very important. And there's currently very great interest in uh, capturing CO2 and keeping it from going into the atmosphere and injecting it underground either to enhance recovery of methane, natural gas, or to sequester it, the idea being to put it back underground uh, and keep it out of the atmosphere where it's causing these harms. The difficulty is that sequestering CO2 underground is a very much experimental uh, process, unproven, and all along the way, it uses carbon dioxide or combustion fuels to pressurize and to transport. So the efforts to use CO2 to undo the harms that are caused by um, releasing CO2 and methane from underground and burning uh, fossil fuels, releasing CO2, it's kind of a, a snake trying to eat its own tail because you're attempting to use the problematic compound to get rid of the problematic con- compound. Is there an effort in the United States uh, to ca- do more carbon capture, though? Yes, there's um, a lot of interest and a lot of funding going in that direction. Um, the group of doctors in New York State that I work with, the Concerned Health Professionals of New York and uh, Physicians for Social Responsibility, have flagged how problematic it is to have so much money going for this unproven uh, technology. And uh, people are um, starting up projects, but very few of them are actually able to sequester um, CO2 underground. And none of them really do the calculations um, down to the detail to see how you're using more fossil fuels in this effort to sequester the CO2. It's... Um, CO2 is um, something that can be sequestered into compounds. It can be put into concrete, for example, and then it will stay there. But the idea that we can inject it underground, especially in any kind of pressurized situation and know where it's going, is just um, not, not a clear-thinking approach. These underground fracturing techniques are not controllable. That has been shown in small scale and in large scale. There are earthquakes happening in areas of the United States that never had earthquakes because of underground waste injection and from the fracking activities themselves. So whether this proposal is going to be for extracting more oil and gas or um, for sequestering CO2, um, all of those are techniques that are going to be experimenting in New York in a way that we shouldn't let happen. 
One of the most um, important things that came out in the past year in terms of research is a study of the counties in northern Pennsylvania that did approve fracking and started up in 2008 and the years following. Comparing that with counties in New York State that are right along that border and then a little above it, so very similar geography, social um, situations, and what that study showed is that in Pennsylvania, health um, outcomes declined, whereas in New York, they continue to improve over time, as we've seen in other areas of the country. So it's kind of a natural experiment that shows that Pennsylvania had, these were senior um, adults, adults over 65, and it mainly showed increases in heart disease and heart attacks. But it's very much confirming what we're seeing everywhere else in the country and around the world. And it's got a control group that is New York State because we didn't do this 10, 15 years ago. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Dr. Kathy Nolan, Catskill Mountain Keepers Senior Research Director, about a proposed massive carbon capture project in New York's southern tier. Um, we, we're just learning about this because it looks like things have just started happening in the last few weeks. This company called Southern Tier CO2 to Clean Energy Solutions LLC, uh, a long name, uh, is reportedly pursuing, uh, leases from landowners who own at least 30 acres in Broome, Tioga, and Chemung counties and recently mailed 6,500 information packages inviting people to sign up. Uh, to this project. That's according to uh, Waterfront Online, uh, a blog by Peter Mantius, and then Catskill Mountain Keeper, of course, is now uh, looking into the this. What what more have you learned since this became uh, news uh, just a few weeks ago, earlier this month? Well, the um, Southern Tier Solutions, so-called, um, does have a website, and they describe their proposed leasing and frequently asked questions. We um, don't yet have any um, proposals from them requesting permission um, to move ahead with this. They're apparently looking to have a critical mass of people say yes. So we would encourage people to say no. Um, this is very similar um, to um, over 10 years ago when people were asked to lease their land to fracking companies and told, oh, it will be fine, it will be great, um, you'll receive the check. And that did not turn out to be true, and we don't have a reason to believe that it would turn out to be true in the current instance. We won't know some of the details until this company decides to submit something um, and apply for permits to engage in um, this activity. Uh, That would give us more information about what pressures they want to use and exactly what techniques, but it's... um, hard to imagine that they're going to do something much different than what is being tried uh, in a few places around the world. And the results have not been good um, at other places around the world. So we didn't think that it was um, wise to wait until we had all the details before we would start um, having conversations with people about the broad brush understandings that we can have from understanding the engineering techniques that the company would have to use. On their website, southerntiersolutions.com, they directly address uh, in their FAQs, their frequently asked questions section, uh, number three, are the operations that your company proposes to drill and develop the shale gas resources of the southern tier just high-volume hydraulic fracturing by another name? 
And the answer they give is no. Quote, we understand and welcome the opportunity to transparently operate under the microscope of a host of regulatory agencies. They go on to say that Southern Tier Solutions employs a waterless process without added chemicals or propent uh, operating at initiation and injection uh, pressures significantly below the pressures usually required by the hydraulic fracturing process. So they're addressing it, but they're really circumventing this law, it sounds like. Well, they are emphasizing the places where there are true differences. CO2 is not water. However, CO2 is a fluid. So they can say it's not water and therefore it's not high volume hydraulic fracturing. And they may not need the same volumes. They may be you know, anticipating pressurizing uh, CO2 um, with smaller volumes, and they don't need some of the lubricants uh, and may not need biocides. They're saying they don't need propens like sand. Uh, the CO2 pressure itself may be what they're thinking will keep open. So there are some technical differences, but is it a difference that makes a difference? But to me, the the question is, are they going to use very high pressure fracturing of underground rock? If they do, then that causes earthquakes. It causes contamination of subsurface aquifers because water starts to go through all kinds of fracture lines that never existed before. And what comes up out of the wellbore is going to be similar sorts of things. Carbon dioxide, methane, volatile organic compounds, a radioactive material heavy metals, I, I don't see how they're going to be able to keep that from coming up out of the wellbore. So it's going to look a lot like hydraulic fracturing, and they haven't accounted for how they're going to get the CO2. What's the source of this CO2? Well, it generally comes from high-volume hydraulic fracturing somewhere or the burning of um, fossil fuels somewhere. And so that's, it's basically waste carbon dioxide. So it's extracted, it's used, it's transported, and there's leakage of CO2 and methane all along that pathway. Thank you, Tim Bruno, for that interview. And remember, you can catch Tim Bruno every weekday morning at 10 a.m. on Radio Catskill. The show is Radio Catskill. And you can hear that entire interview. That was just an excerpt of the interview. You can hear the full interview. It's up now at WJFFRadio.org. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the Center for Workforce Development, and we'll find out who gave out dozens of turkey dinners on our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. Stay with us. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Across time zones and cultures, through wars and natural disasters, NPR kept you informed about the biggest global stories of the year. Recovery efforts continue across Turkey and Syria. Ukraine is waging its biggest military offensive yet. We are co-hosting this program from different locations around the Mideast this week to hear different perspectives on the war. Help us continue to bring the world closer by making your year-end gift today. Make your tax-deductible year-end donation now at wjffradio.org. Welcome back to the local edition. I'm Jason Dole. Coming up, we'll check in with the Center for Workforce Development. But first, it's what we usually do on a Monday. We get the latest news from the Sullivan County Democrat. It's our weekly news roundup with the Sullivan County Democrat. And for that, we turn to editor Derek Kirk joining us on the phone. Derek, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing good coming off of Thanksgiving and uh, Black Friday and uh, looking forward to Giving Tuesday tomorrow. So a lot of things have been bundled up, you know, these past couple days. It's been a busy, well, you know, for us here at Radio Catskill, we, we had our big music sale, which was very successful, by the way. So I guess I should mention to the listeners, uh, if, if you listener came out to the music sale or donated, one of the many people that donated things, we thank you so much because it was a tremendous success and a big help for Radio Catskill. But that, that kind of blurred the holiday for me. Did you get to do some actual uh, Thanksgiving stuff, Derek? Oh, yeah. I went out and visited family and, uh, you know, went out to the city of Pittsburgh where they had a lot of light-up nights and Christmas trees and other, you know, holiday-themed stuff. Not so much Thanksgiving, but, you know, in the mood, in the spirit. Yeah, so. yeah. Did you get, get out to any uh, major shopping areas on Friday, throw some elbows, gouge some eyes? Oh, I'm not that brave. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart response. Maybe it's better to be smarter, perhaps, than than brave. At least uh, when it comes to Black Friday. So, Derek, uh, while we're talking about uh, money here, the, the Southern County Legislature has started distributing some funds. What are you looking at? Absolutely. So uh, from a story from our staff writer, Alex Keelar, we have news on the Sullivan County Legislature passing a resolution to transfer revolving loan funds to the Sullivan County Industrial Development Agency, or the IDA, at their recent meeting on Wednesday, November 22nd. Uh, so that goes into more detail on what that means um, for the IDA and what those revolving funds will look like going into the future, as well as a number of youth programs uh, that the county is looking to give some uh, money to, and there's a number of them uh, all throughout the county, uh, and each of them, uh, you know, do different, uh, you know, things throughout the throughout their communities. We'll see more of that list coming uh, in that article on the front page of Tuesday's edition of the Sullivan County Democrats. So we're excited to see exactly how that money is going to be used for the youth, and you know that's always a good thing when our young people are being supported by you know the highest level of government we have in our county. So good things, hopefully, to come. All right, great. Anything else that you're looking at uh, in the Democrat this week? Absolutely. So, uh, unfortunately, there was a long-standing pillar of the community, and the Calhoun Fire Department recently passed away. Uh, Frank Hahn, who was past chief firefighter and engineer of the fire department, uh, he passed away on Sunday morning, November 26th, and he's fondly remembered by the department and family of Left Behind. And more information on this local hero can be found on page 2B uh, of Tuesday's edition. Oh, and that just happened. So condolences to, to his family and friends as well in the Calhoun community. Thank you for letting Absolutely. us know that. He spent 60 years in the service. That's great. Absolutely. That's tremendous. Yep. That's a tremendous service to the community. And yeah, anything else? We have uh, some good news on the IOU or the Interfaith Outreach United in uh, the Hamlet of Calhoun, who gave out uh, Thanksgiving dinner for up to 68 families uh, last week. Um, a number of the volunteers uh, were at the Calhoun, uh, excuse me, the Delaware Youth Center handing out uh, uh, 69 turkeys uh, and uh, boxes filled with um, you know, all the fixings that go with uh, Thanksgiving dinner, totaling to helping out about 276 individuals. Uh, so it's a wonderful thing to see that they have there feeding the hungry and, the, and those in need uh, this uh, Thanksgiving season, as well as their preparation for their toy exchange. Uh, coming up on December 16th, and those looking to uh, participate can sign up uh, by December 8th uh, by stopping in their uh, shop or giving them a call at uh, 845-887-5919. Want to give folks that number one more time? Sure thing. That's 845-887-5919 for the IOU in the hamlet of Calhoun. And the IOU stands for again? 
See, Interfaith Outreach United. Interfaith Outreach United, feeding people in Calicoon. That's that's a, a tremendous thing. That's a lot of turkeys. Absolutely, yeah. They they uh, This is an annual thing. They were able to successfully gather more uh, food for, you know, families uh, for Thanksgiving. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we have, um, you know, for our local community uh, and for the holiday spirit. Absolutely, absolutely. Derek, anything else you want to let folks know before we go? Uh, sure. And finally, tonight it's our weekly check-in with the County of Sullivan. And there's a new opportunity for local residents in Sullivan County if they're interested in acquiring welding skills. And this is thanks to a partnership between Sullivan County Center for Workforce Development and Sullivan BOCES. Ten individuals are looking to graduate soon from this program. To learn more about this opportunity, Laureen Gabeline, Director for Sullivan County Center for Workforce Development, spoke to Patricio Rabio earlier. The county and the affiliation between BOCES, again, everybody decided and the legislatures were 100% behind continuing what we piloted back in, in March of last year. So right now we're in the middle of, of a welding trade program being held at BOCES. It started in October and will be ending December 21st. So we'll be graduating 10 at that point, which I'm excited for. They've all been working extremely hard. There's a lot of things that they've been learning in these weeks, especially safety issues and and what it's like to have proper ventilation and and so forth. They're also going over plasma and torch basics. Uh, I'm not into the welding stuff, and I don't understand a lot of that terminology, but I have attended quite a few times, so it's always interesting to see how they're doing and what they actually are learning, and all of them are doing great to this point. They love it. They have the potential to earn three different welding certifications by the end of this. It's been going extremely well, and we're looking forward to them graduating right before the holidays here and having a small little celebration ceremony for them. What we're into right now is trying to update their resume skills and interviewing skills, and then I actually have a couple businesses that are looking to come in and do a presentation to them and hopefully hire some of these individuals. We're all very excited about that. And the county, like I said, has been extremely supportive and backing and funding these trade programs. Absolutely. And so it's not only learning these welding skills that you just mentioned, you're learning interview skills, building up your resume, fixing up your resume, and to get these students ready for the workforce with these new skills now they have in welding. Because we know like we had a housing boom and still needed for a lot of workers are still needed when it comes to construction and having a, a, a skill like welding, I'm sure it could be valuable uh, down the road. Oh, yeah. And it's important that once they have these certifications that those resumes are updated and they can get a, a better paying job within the county. They're taking like stick welding and MIG welding and stuff like that. So it's very important to a lot of the businesses in the area that they have some of these basic skills to be able to be hired. Considering the success of the construction trades class earlier this year, what expectations or hopes do you have for the students graduating from the welding course? The outcome has always been, and this is what Center for Workforce Development does, is, is 
we put the two together and put the job seekers with the businesses within the county. For instance, with our construction trade program, out of the people that graduated, eight that graduated, four of them ended up into the construction union, which is a great job. So they have those opportunities to go further from here if they want to go and take additional welding, for instance, and and maybe look at one of the unions, or if they want to get some other type of a background with it, but at least they've got some of these skills that the businesses are in need of, whether it be automotive, some of the towns and, and around the county with all the townships we have that might be needing somebody with welding skills and our, our basic welding companies within the area. So the hope is that we're going to connect the two and by the end of their graduation, which I continue to follow through for a long period of time to make sure that they do have a good job and that they can become self-sufficient with this welding degree. Absolutely. You know, say you have that new skill there. Like, who knows the possibilities you have there after graduating from this class? Now, looking ahead to 2024 and, and the rest of this year, any other else coming up for the workforce development? Other types of classes or skill bells programs you have coming up? Yes, I do. I, I'm in the middle right now of working with a company called HC Staffing to put a certified nursing assistant program together. So looking forward to that, it's still in the works, but stuff that we are working on to, we need nurses within the county and we need a lot of CNAs. So if we can put this together and train and educate these people and get them jobs, that's what we try to do. I'm also, we're actually working with Fallsburg School District this year for an in-school youth program for juniors and seniors. So not only do we work for adults, we also work for youth, but they don't have to be in school or out. They can be in school or out of school, I should say. We're working on something in school because we we feel that there's been a lot lost over the years with COVID and everything. So the juniors and seniors are our main interest in teaching them leadership development and having them be able to graduate with with a little bit more knowledge of what to expect upon graduation. We've done a lot of recruitment events over the past few months. We hosted 14 businesses just within the last three months, and a lot of jobs have come out of that. We will start those back up probably about March. We try to get through the winter season where the driving might not be as, as good for everybody. We do have a disability forum coming up on March 12th, which is we're looking for businesses to attend and any individuals with disabilities because it's important that the businesses hire people with disabilities and know the ADA requirements and all of that. So we're looking forward to that too. Oh, wow. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pike in workforce development. I said coming out of covid the need for jobs is there, and, and it's great that the county has really aligned itself and saying, hey, we have experts working for us to, who could teach the next generation of, of experts. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it, it's, it's going very well. We're looking at the needs of the entire county, what businesses need what. Any businesses out there, we do a lot of free advertising. We host the in-house hiring event. If your business is out there and in need of anything, give us a call. 
Absolutely. So if someone's listening to this and say, hey, this sounds like a great program for me or someone I know, how can they get in contact with you to sign up? They can call us at 794-3340 or they can go onto our website, which is SullivanWorks, one word, dot org, or like us on Facebook, Sullivan CWD. Absolutely. Now, Lorraine, is there anything else we have not touched on you want folks to know about? Just we're always here for no matter what the issue is, whether you need to update your resume, you need interviewing skills, you just need a a full-time job, a part-time job, any of the business needs, we're here to do all of it. And we work very closely with a lot of the other organizations throughout the county. We are here if, if people need us. Absolutely. We're talking to the Director of Workforce Development for Sullivan County, letting us know about the soon-to-be graduates from the welding program and uh, all the new skills-based programs that are coming up from the county. So thank you so much for talking to us and letting us know about all the stuff coming out of Workforce Development. Thank you. You have a great day. For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Robayo. Thank you so much, Patricio, and thank you for listening, listener. Keep on listening right here on air, online at WJFFRadio.org, and also on your smart device, your smart speaker. Just ask it to play Radio Catskill. Been your host, Jason Dole. We'll be back tomorrow night to do it all over again. If you want to stay right where you are, we got Laura Flanders coming up at 7, Trailer Talk at 7.30, but before all of that, up next, it's The Daily. Support comes from the Narrowsburg Union and Catskills Curated, presenting products of regional artists, artisans, makers, and craftsmen. Gift wrapping and shipping available on site. Narrowsburgunion.com. Tavern on Main, a neighborhood bar and restaurant on Main Street in Jeffersonville, New York, featuring local American fare, specialty cocktails, craft beers, and Sunday brunch. Menu and hours online at tavernonmainny.com. And from listeners like you who donate at wjffradio.org. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. You're listening to Radio Catskill.